Alex Mueller. Yes, Alex Mueller. She's a former professional tennis player, and through the course of her 20-year career, she won more than two dozen titles and traveled the world several times over. She turned pro at 15 and never looked back. It's this ambitious personality combined with the resiliency that comes with performing so long at an elite level that led her to the starting line of the Rocky Raccoon 100 this year. In this episode, we discuss her career and mentality and look for advice on that mentality from the experience she has as an elite tennis player and now a runner. So welcome, Alex Mueller. All right. Welcome to the DFL Before DNF podcast. My name is Josh Rosenthal at Borderlands Trail Running. Uh, this has been my pursuit. This podcast is sort of an outflowing of, of, of a documentary series I've been working on called Trail Grid. We just released episode three. In episode three, my plan was just to interview a few people and to gain some wisdom. And I, I found it to be so helpful for myself first and foremost. And a lot of people had reached out that they had liked it. So I just started reaching out to a bunch of people to keep the podcast alive, even after the episode of Trogger 3 went live uh, yesterday. And my my hope and intention is to just continue to get more wisdom from people who have done hard things, who've attempted hard things, who've lived lives that are uh, that, that just bring wisdom that I can pull into my attempt to hopefully, finally, get back to the 100-mile distance. I've finished one out of eight. That means I've DNF seven. Going for lucky lucky number nine at Zion next next month. And so today, I'm super excited to be talking with Alex Mueller, pro tennis player. Uh, and I believe I believe you were at Bryce uh, when I was at Bryce running the 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 staircase race where they go from Bryce or Zion, Bryce Zion Antelope Canyon. But I'm just really excited to talk to you today. I know you just had an attempt at the Rocky Raccoon 100. And so it's fun. I'm glad that you're here. So welcome. Thank you. Thank you so much. I'm excited. Um, yeah. Yeah. I was at uh, Trail Fest and I didn't realize, yeah, I didn't know Trail it Fest, at the time. Right. Yeah. Um, that was amazing. Um, I love that area of the country. Oh, so, so my cool. Goodness. And so you, at the time of that, were you living in Jersey? Yes. So you made a special trip to Southern Utah for that race. Oh yeah, totally. <laughs> oh, man. How did you hear about it? Um, just via Instagram. Like I follow like okay. all the, the trail running, everything. Like I'm, uh-huh. you know, I, I think about it all the time. Like I love it so much. So, <laughs> um, I have a notebook like, I carry around and if there's like a race I find, I just like write it in. Really? Oh yeah. Wow. Um, so that was kind of like something that I wanted to do for a couple years and, um, okay. I saw that they had one a couple months prior that ended up getting canceled, you know? Okay. Um, yeah. I think it was, uh, it wasn't Redwoods yet, but it was something. Mm. And then when uh Kanab got put up, I'm like, all right, I'm entering now. Like oh, I'm not man. missing this. Yeah. I mean, I just feel like what I love about the trail fest specifically is you get all of that just incredible Southern Utah, like my favorite running of all time is that Southern Utah. So you get Zion, you get Bryce. I've yeah. never ran Antelope Canyon, but I know it's, it's up there with those. So that was cool. Yeah. I mean, my favorite Which, day was, uh, Zion. I was ask. Yeah. What's that? 
That's what I was going to ask. Which one was your favorite? Oh my God, Zion. It was so amazing. Yeah. Like it was more like runnable than yeah. Bryce. Like Bryce really like kicked my ass because it was like the mm-hmm. first, the first day. And like I, Jersey is like flat as a pancake. Like it is not, yeah. I'm not getting any altitude training here, <laughs> like anything. So yeah. that was, uh, um, I'm like, bam, like you are in this, like you are doing yep. trail fast. So I was like, all right, like I'm uh, buckled in. So that's awesome. Bryce is so hard as, as a hundred miler. It's crazy hard. It's like 18,000 feet of gain, I think. But the section that he had us run is the most beautiful by far because you get to, you get to go to like run on Mars there for a little bit. Yeah. You get some of that gain, you get some of the, like the Alpine sort of vibes. And then I, I came that morning uh, I left Salt Lake City at two in the morning so I could be at the starting line for, and I, I only ran Bryce Salem, who's the race director there, the, the founder is a friend of mine. So I went to do that and to have lunch with him. And then I came back. So I didn't get to do the other days. Yeah. I mean, Bryce was so beautiful. Like I was, uh, my jaw was on the floor the whole time. Mm-hmm. It was unbelievable. Yeah. Wild. Yeah. At Antelope Canyon, did you go to the, like the horseshoe bend? We did. did. Like that was the oh. first thing when they, you know, dropped us off. Like we went right down the little stairs, like right at the horseshoe bend. Everyone was oh just taking gosh. all the pictures and it was incredible. Yeah. yeah. People were like sneaking out onto the little ledge. I was like, oh my, like, no, not worth it. Like, <laughs> yeah, no thanks. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I couldn't even look, but I mean, it was amazing. Yeah. Well, let's uh, let's back up a little bit. How uh, so? Where did you grow up? You grew up in Philadelphia. So I grew up in Philly, um, suburbs of Philly, just kind of like twenty okay. minutes north of the city, um, called Abington. Okay. Um, and I kind of grew up playing different sports. You know, as a kid, my mom yeah. was a big swimmer; like that was her career. Um, my dad played. Okay. Yeah, my dad played a little bit of basketball, a little bit of tennis, um, but nothing too seriously, just like, you know, in high school and stuff like. Yeah. Um, but both my parents are like, I'm 6'2". Uh, my dad okay. is 6'3". My mom's 5'11". So like okay. he was very, you know, big into like basketball, volleyball, like. Nice. And my, so um, obviously, you know as a kid, I'm trying gymnastics. Like that's not going to work for me. So, um, yeah. Yeah. So I started getting like, as you know, a young girl, like I was into swimming, like I was kind of following what my mom was, what my mom did. Um, Um, so I thought that was cool, but I thought it was even cooler to do something that was kind of all mine. So I found tennis and I'm like, not doing anything else, mom, like pull me out of everything else. Like this is where it's at right now. Like from now on. So what did you love about it? What, what, what drew you into tennis specifically? I think the individuality of it, um, huh. like you're out there on the court and it's up to you, um, to, to problem solve, you know, like yeah, stuff's going to go wrong. It's not going to be going your way one day. You're going to be losing. It is completely up to you to fix it and to figure it out. There's no coaching yeah. going on like at halftime or whatever. So is that I, allowed even? In some events it is now. Yeah. I there's a ongoing debate about like what side of the fence you're on with that. I yeah. think that tennis should be and like no coaching allowed. Like I think it should be true to its roots there. Yeah. Um but people like to see it for, you know, TV reasons. It's good for the fans to kind of get like an inside look at, you know, what the coaches are telling the players. Like they think that's pretty yeah. cool. So yeah. I can understand that too. Who were your tennis heroes when you were coming, you know, coming up, growing up? So I was in the era of um, Anna Kornikova. 
Yeah. Um, she was my, like, I know all the guys loved her, but like, I loved her. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, I thought she was the coolest. Like, I wore my hair in a long braid like she did. Like, I wanted to wear Adidas. Like, oh, oh my nice. God. And I have pictures of her on my wall. <laughs> I mean, just a quick snapshot. That's the power of athlete sponsorship right there. She had on Adidas. You want to buy Adidas. That's why they invested in her. A hundred percent. And I'm like, what racket is she using? I need to have that, you know, like obviously. (laughs) Yeah. Oh man, that's great. So you, you were, when did you become like super competitive uh, in tennis? High school? Um, No, I, earlier than that. um, Okay. I kind of started, you know, I picked it up pretty quickly. I was a pretty quick learner with it. So, you know, I, I guess coaches and like, my parents were kind of like, hey, she kind of, you know, has a talent for this. Like, let's, you know, put her in some tournaments and like see how mm-hmm. that goes. And if she likes it, you know, and obviously they yeah. never pressured me to do anything like that. But, yeah, um, you know, probably 10 years old, I was already playing national tournaments Oh wow! Um, in my age group. And then it kind okay. of accelerated quickly. And I was 14. I was playing. Uh, I played junior U.S. Open. Um, when I was 15, I ended up turning pro. Um, I beat the, what's the definition of turning pro? Essentially you're, you're competing in professional tournaments or is that a money thing? Like you're, you're now you're making cash. Well, it's kind of a a weird thing because you can not officially turn professional, but you can still play in professional tournaments, but you just can't receive the prize money. Okay. So you are maintaining your NCAA eligibility if you decide to stay an amateur. Oh, uh, okay. And I know it sounds like a big fancy thing, like to turn pro, right? Like, right. It's it's could not be further from the truth. So this is actually a funny story. Um, my I knew all along that I that's what I wanted to do uh-huh. uh, with my life. Um, so every time you go to a pro tournament, there's a little form you fill out when you get there, kind of like a check-in form, and you have to just check a box next to professional or next to amateur, and that's it. But once okay. you check professional, oh, there's no going there's no going back, right? And, and, and meaning you're not playing in college. If Once you check that box, you can't play in college. There you go. Or well, wow. Yeah, I mean, you're just forfeiting your eligibility right there. Wow. So I so simple, such an easy, you can, so easy weird, mistake. Right? It could be an impulsive. Yeah. Yeah. So I got, I got to a tournament and I was like, I think I was 15. I was like, screw it. Like pro professional. <laughs> Didn't tell my parents at all. Did not, oh, no. talk, to <laughs> did not talk to them about yeah. it. And I called them and I was like, Hey, guess what? Like I just turned pro like dead silence. Like, oh gosh. they're like, you did what? <laughs> um, oh. I think in the, they were not very pleased with me for a while without, you know, yeah. I basically forfeited a full ride scholarship. College scholarship. Anywhere. That's what I, yeah. As a father, though my oldest is 10, I just think yeah, I'm saving for college for him. And yeah. there, there was, my, there was my ticket. <laughs> yeah. So um, I think in the back of their mind, like they knew that that's what I wanted to do. And maybe I would have ultimately, you know, we would have made that decision together. But yeah, you know, there it is. There it is. <laughs> <laughs> All right. And so that was that was 15. And so now you're you're a professional. What, how's that playing itself out, you know, in your in your everyday life? What's yeah. What's well, that um, like to be? I played professionally for the better part of 20 years. I'm 36. I just turned 36 on Valentine's Day. Oh, nice. Um, Happy birthday. Thank you. Mm -hmm. And I probably played my last tournament about a year and a half ago. 
Um, Okay. Yeah. So over the course of that time, I played in so many, so many countries. I, I won 28 titles. I got to be ranked 130 in the world. Um, and just made memories that, you know, are invaluable, you know, like I wouldn't have traded it for the world. It was the best, you know, I mean, it, it had its ups and downs. I was on the, on the road 40 weeks a year, you know, so forming any sort of relationships at home is not easy to do. What's it like being on the road? Are you, are you on a bus? Are you fly? Is it all fly dates? What's that like? It's mostly flying. I mean, the schedule is pretty much all over the place. Like you can country hop every week, you know? Um, so you really rack up those, those miles. (laughs) Um, so you still like a platinum member to this day? <laughs> I know, right? Uh, yeah. y- yes, um, <laughs> <laughs> which helps out with uh, you know my my newfound love of of traveling for races. Oh yeah, yes, yeah, <laughs> that's great. Yeah. So you, uh, where does where does ultra running come in? It's I feel like it's maybe rare to hear a professional athlete though. One time I was running Zion and I ended up running next to a guy who used to play for the Baltimore Ravens on a way. And he was running a hundred miler and we chatted for a while. Uh, just this, a similar conversation. You were an elite performer in another sport. And then how do you end up moving to ultra running what I like about ultra running specifically is, you know, your peak age could be like 45. So, and I'm I'm 41. So like, I'm still enjoying this sport quite a bit, but what's the transition? Like where does ultra running even make its way? And how do you have time to even think about it when you're a professional tennis player? Was it at the end of your career? Like how did that happen? Well, I always kind of incorporated running into my training for tennis. Like I would mm-hmm. run a few times a week, but like mostly track work and stuff like that. So it was never yeah. really getting into the long distances. Mm-hmm. Um, toward the end of my career, I entered, you know, my first 5K, like as it goes, you know, like you okay. start the, and you kind of get the bug a little bit. And um, yes. yeah, I entered my first 5K and I, I won overall female. And I was like, oh, <laughs> <laughs> like, I, can do, I can do this. So like, you know, as a, I've been a competitive athlete my whole life. So it's like part of my identity to com- want to compete, but like, you know, yes. we also all have the desire to be successful with what we're doing. So like right away, I'm yeah. like, you know, damn, like that's, that's pretty cool. You know? So, <laughs> um, you know, and then you're like, all right, like there's a 10 K I can try that one. And you know, it, <sighs> The main thing I wanted to do when this all started was do the Brooklyn half marathon. I know that sounds so random and bizarre. Hmm, it but does. Like, but like, if you if you live up in that area, it makes sense. And maybe cool. I guess. But I saw it on Instagram, and I was like, "How cool would that be to run a half marathon in Brooklyn?" Whoa! Like, yeah. And I was like, "All right, you know, I'm just gonna do <laughs> You've that. Made it. I'm just gonna do that one time." And mm-hmm. then I, I finally I did it, and I was like. Oh my God. People that do marathons are like out of their minds. I'm like, yeah, no, no way in this or any universe could I do a marathon. Like what? Yeah. Like no way. (laughs) I was, I couldn't walk for like a week after the half. Like I didn't train really. I didn't know what I was doing yet. Yes. So, um, you know, but then you sign up again later that night, you know how it is. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Yeah. Um, so you signed up again. What did you sign up for next? Do you remember? Um, I think it was a Philly marathon maybe. Okay. And it was, you know, I don't, I don't know exactly. I think it was, 
Um, and it was far enough away that I was like, I, you know, by that time I'll just be a machine, you know, like mm-hmm. I can do yeah, it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and the, and the, the, the future version of yourself is always going to be amazing. Oh yeah. Whether uh, or not it actually is. Oh yeah, totally. <laughs> but, um, I think once I, I quit playing like officially, um, on tour, I was yeah. looking for something that not only physically challenged me, but also challenged me mentally, um, just emotionally. Like I love to sign up for things that I don't know if I can com- complete. Like, I don't know what it'll be like, you know, like, yeah. I know yes. I can like hop into a 5k or t- I'm like, or a half marathon now, whatever. Like I know I can do it, but yeah. when I signed up for my first hundred, which was Rocky, I'm like, yeah, I don't know if I can do that. Like, I don't know what that's going to mm-hmm. be like at all. So yeah. I hired a coach right away. I'm like, I need help. <laughs> yeah. Who did, who did you hire? Uh, Gags, uh, Michael Gagliardi. Okay. Nice. Um, I've not heard of him. Uh, he's, how, um, how'd that go? He's awesome. Like, um, yeah, he's like a really, uh, kind of famous around this area. Like he just, okay. uh, he does ultras and I think he did Tahoe 200 one year. Like okay. he has his own podcast too. Like he's, um, he's a really cool dude. And like, I can text him or call him with like any questions. And it's just, he's just been awesome. Um, yeah. kind of like paving the way for me to understand like how ultras work and stuff like that. Like, yeah. Um, do you, what being, knowing that you're so ambitious and so competitive, do what, what is your ambition within trail running? Is it, is it hobby for you or do you feel like you want to lean in and see if you can be, you know, a competitor at a high level? Um, well, it started as a hobby, but now that I have more time to, <laughs> to focus on it, like I would love yeah. to see how well I can do. Um, yeah. I would love to, um, just really, like you said, lean into it and see, you know, where my potential is, you know, what's possible. Yeah, absolutely. And I think what's cool about trail running that really grabbed me is when you're playing tennis on tour, you might play the best match you've ever played, but your opponent play a little better than you that day. And you, Uh and you still lose. And the Mm. bottom line is you lost the match. So you're going back to your hotel, you're packing up, you're booking a flight Mm. and you're out of the tournaments and you're going to a new location starting from round one again. And yeah, there's very little reflection on how well I actually did play, even though I lost. And I yeah. think what's cool about trail running and ultra running is the thing that's cool is the whole race. Like, obviously, yes. obviously you want to get to the end. You, you don't want to have a DNF. It happens, but that's, yeah. you want to finish. Right. But the whole right. thing is the cool part, you know? Yes. And I love that <laughs> so much. Yeah. Yeah. And so then you taking that into Rocky, which was, I don't for those listening who didn't see footage of Rocky, what an absolute mess that was. Uh, yes. I, I don't know. I ha, I don't know. Did anyone, did Andrew Glaze finish? I don't know who finished. Oh, of course, Andrew Glaze finished. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm actually interviewing him later today, but you know, my buddy, Matt Johnson, who I'd interviewed recently, he, I mean, he twisted his ankle DNF to, at mile 80, but just the footage coming out. I mean, like 17 inches of water or something like that. Yeah. Just absurd. Yeah. What was that like? Uh, it was either like a full on like water crossing situation <laughs> or it was like shoe sucking mud that would just uh, be like, um, yeah. So it was hard to, to get a, a groove with your running. Like you were constantly battling that, which is, you know, it's yeah. part of it. You know, it's cool yeah. to, to have all these yeah. crazy things thrown at you. 
Um, yeah. At mile, you know, in the second loop, so like almost at mile 40, I started getting like some pain in my in my foot. And then when I finished the second loop and I got back to to camp, I took my shoe off and was trying to change socks and whatever. And I stood up and like, I almost fell down. Like I had <laughs> like, it was so black and blue. I think I like strained mm. it trying to like yank it out of the mud somewhere. Oh my gosh. And I'm like, I can't walk anymore. Um, I, so it was just like a complete like physical issue that caused me to stop. Like mentally I wanted to go. Yes. Like, I'm like, I I can go, like I can do another one, you know, like <laughs> I did not want to stop. So that was yeah. the positive that I'm taking out mm. of it. Like mentally, I was fresh to keep, like I was going to finish, you know? And, and what mile did you say? That 40. Happened? 40. Mm-hmm. Okay. And so that you pulled the plug there. Oh yeah. I had to, like, I couldn't yeah. even walk to, um, hand in my chip. Like I had to get someone else uh, to do it. Um, yeah. but like I heard that even seasoned Rocky raccoon finishers didn't finish like, they, yeah. It was like fifty five percent DNF rate, which is oh, okay. pretty high for there. Yes, for there especially. Uh, yeah. Man. How did you? What? Why Rocky Raccoon? How did that one come on your radar? Even. Um, I heard it was a good one to start with. You know, the elevation yeah. isn't crazy. Uh, you have the camp to go back to every twenty miles. So you have your stuff. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like a comfort feeling, you know. Yeah. Um, and maybe being in Jersey we, with you saying that it's flat, you can probably get some very legitimate, uh, training that's similar if yeah. not close to the, the course itself. Yeah. Like I, I wasn't super intimidated <clears throat> by the elevation. So I felt like, okay, you know, if yeah. I can do the distance, I can do it, you know? Yeah. 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 And so w- where do you go from, from here in terms of your hundred mile ambition? Do you have another one on your radar? Um, well, right now I'm kind. Of, I I remember hearing either maybe a post you did or one of your podcasts about like the the buffalo run and Antelope Island one. Oh, right. Please do that. One. I was thinking yeah. of doing the fifty now. Um, oh, oh, like in, in like six weeks. Yes. <clears throat> oh, please do it. I I have no no financial gain there. I've never even met Jim Skaggs, who's the race director. I. Love that race. Yeah. And what's nice is from coming off of Rocky, which I've been signed up for, but I wasn't able to get there for it. But I know that course profile decently well. What's awesome is that I think Buffalo is a nice next step yeah. where it's not crazy elevation. I think you're still, I, I could get this wrong, between six and 7,000 total. Okay. Oh, man. And you're running among the Buffaloes. And what's hard is that if you're hallucinating overnight, the big rocks are, they become Buffaloes. So. You, you need a good companion with you out there to let you know what's Buffalo, what's not <laughs> Buffalo. But I, I think that race, I'm, I'm going to be out there for it just because I'm so stoked and I've got some buddies running it. Um, oh, that's a good, that's a good race. I hope you do. Yeah. That. I'm like, I look at it every day, like ultra sign up. And I was like, like that's <laughs> yeah. like, you know, like the hobby at night, like Peru's yeah. ultra sign up. And <laughs> yeah. yeah. And with the 50 miler, uh, so the core, the hundred mile course is two is two fifty milers. So you get to see the whole thing. Yeah. I don't remember when it starts. He's pretty loose. He, you could start on the day with the hundred milers if you, you know, depending on how fast you think you'll go or you start the next morning. Okay. So you may not at a 50 miler, which I've done that 50 miler, I think twice. Yeah. You won't have to worry about the hallucination. Okay. Did you, you saw, and you saw buffaloes out there and like, you're like, Oh my God. Oh, they're everywhere. everywhere. Yeah. I mean, there was, yeah, there's living close to it. Yeah. But living close to it, uh, you, you hear 
stories rarely, but every once in a while, you know, they're a little aggressive. So you don't mess with them. Oh, they're huge and they but, are fast. I mean, like what is an ultra run without an element of just something bizarre like thrown in there? I know. So. Yeah, because it's flat and runnable, so let's throw in a wrench. Let's put right. some buffalo yeah. on the Yeah, 100%. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I hope you do that. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm but, like, about to pull the trigger, so, yeah. I wouldn't, okay. yeah. Yeah, do it. What, okay, so then there's your 50. What's your next, do you, are you, did the, did Rocky make you rethink your 100-mile ambition, or did it just kick, kick the can down the road? It didn't make me rethink the 100. Um, I was, you know, already, like, I'm coming back next year. Like I will do yeah. this. And then, you know, um, I'm looking at uh, Eastern States a hundred in, oh, cool. um, in this area here. I know the elevation is much more, um, yeah. but I'd have to work on my climbing with that first, but that's kind of the mm-hmm. next hundred I have my eye on. Um, yeah. so I have some time. Where's to, that? Where, where's that actually at? It's in PA, um, kind of close to Williamsport, which is where the little league. Uh, yeah. The big little yep, league the, area. Yeah. yeah. That's cool. Yeah. yeah. That'd be great. Is, um, oh, there's another race. There's a UTMB race that's out that way. Yeah. Um, is uh, that the, uh, I want to say world's end one or no one that, uh, Mike McMonagall just won the guy who goes by shit in the woods on uh, Instagram, hmm. the best Instagram name there is. <laughs> um, Oh my gosh! I'm gonna I'm I'm gonna break a rule here. I'm gonna look it up on my phone because I think it's it's worth it. Grindstone. Oh yeah, yeah. You know Grindstone. Yeah, I think it's somewhere out there. I know that that Mike is from uh, Pennsylvania as well, and I don't know if it's in Pennsylvania, but it, it's it was another like rain soaked thing that he ended up getting yeah. a win on. Yeah. But, yeah. I mean, there's but yeah, the- Eastern Eastern State sounds great. Yeah, I'm excited. Um, yeah, I have a bunch on my list and, you know, yeah. like I say, I carry my notebook around. So, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I want to talk a little bit, uh, this, you know, where I get a little bit selfish in what I like about the discussion with you is even outside of ultra running to have been a professional athlete, uh, operating at the level that you operated at there, you know, you can search anywhere online and not to downplay the the great influencers, the great you know teachers out there on physicality, on strength, on on endurance, from a body standpoint. The what I think is interesting to hear from you is the mentality piece. Like so, when you talk about being at Rocky and at mile forty, it was your body that said no, but your mind was saying yes. I've never been in that situation. I've always been the opposite where I think my body maybe could have kept going, but my mind just says no. Mm-hmm. And I've, I've addressed that from a nutrition standpoint with my friend, Jesse Rich on the podcast, where he says that your brain consumes 30% of the calories that you put into your body, your brain consumes them. So if you're not eating regularly, your brain isn't getting what it needs. So it's just going to tell you to shut down Oh wow! Okay. to protect itself. So for you, how would you even characterize that moment at Rocky where your mind wanted to keep going, but your body couldn't? Um, it was strange because I like my brain, like I was thinking totally clearly, you know, like I wasn't like feeling like I I just wanted to stop. Like I wanted to, to go, go. Um, so in a way it was frustrating because, you know, I wasn't at that complete depletion level of like, I am crawling on the ground. Like I need, Hmm. I cannot, um, so 
it was frustrating a little bit, but also I was like, well, these things are fixable, you know, like in my next hmm. one, like this is something that I just, I need, you know, maybe it's the the footwear I need to adjust. Like maybe it is. So just, you're, you're already there in your mind. You're already like tinkering with yeah. strategy. Yeah. Like I, I, you know, I, the, the shoes that I wear, I was like, you know, I think they might be too narrow. They might be like, you know, compressing my feet a little bit and that's affecting my ankle. Like I'm like trying to like, <laughs> you know, um, so I, I just guess figure it out. what's that? You're just figuring it out. You're solving it. It's a puzzle. Yeah. Like I think so mentally going into it, I was like, um, I talked about this with my coach beforehand and we were saying, mm-hmm. Hey, like the 30 hours or however long, like the cut, like the 30 hours <clears> are going to go yeah. by, like they're going to go like no matter what. Yeah. And yeah, right. you know, it's either going to hurt now, like in the race, like you're going to be struggling, <laughs> you're going to be tired or it's going to hurt later when you DNF and yeah. you're driving back to the hotel and you're like, and you're thinking about it. Your hundred yeah. miler has an asterisk next to it, you know, and you're just yes. like, damn it. Like I, uh, and I would have, I would have crawled to that finish line, but like, I dude, like I could not even stand <laughs> on my feet. So like I, I'm, I was yep. so pissed. I could not finish, but, um, yeah. Do like, you feel like that mentality is something that you, I mean, is, innate like were you have you just always been strong-willed that you will finish what you're going to start or I think what, it, or did you develop it I think uh, tennis played a huge role in that I think like when you're mm-hmm. at a tournament you can't show any sort of weakness like not even oh. like if you're nursing an injury say like yeah so and so we'll see you walking around like oh you know Alex has some tape on her knee like you know oh. ooh, like you know better pay attention. Like she might not be at top. Did you ever put like tape on your knee when it wasn't hurting? You know, like I thought about their head. I thought about that too late. I was like, you know, that would have been funny. (laughs) Yeah. Um, or if you're, you're in a match and you feel like you don't feel your best or you're losing, like you Mm -hmm. can't show to your opponent, like, you know, I'm getting, you know, I'm getting down on myself. Like I'm like this close to, to just completely throwing in the towel. Right. Cause like, what if they are like, what if they're really feeling it? And then the fact that Mm. I'm like, getting like this, that gives them hope now. They're like, oh, hey, like maybe if I just stick around, I could actually get this win. So it's like you, I think I grew up kind of putting on like this, this like a steely face, like, you know, we're going to get to the end of this. I'm not going to show you how I'm feeling. Like I'm going to, you know, just Mm. plow through to the end, you know, and that's, that's where we'll end Hmm. up. The time is going to go by anyway, you know? Yeah. I mean, my, my, the sum total of my experience with tennis was, you know, my dad loved to watch Wimbledon growing up. So that was a summer thing that we would do together. And, you know, I've, I've always consumed it from, you know, not like, you know, maybe when I watch soccer, like I played it so I can kind of think strategic. I don't know the strategic thinking with tennis, but you're already, what you're already telling me feels so markedly different than what I knew or what I see in other sports is that you're, you're not playing checkers, you're playing chess. Like there's things that in the moment, you can get inside their head and you yeah. can do that in any sport, I'm sure. But you, it's a thinking person's sport as well mm-hmm. as a physical sport, which is ultra running. There's so much thinking like that's where I see. That's an interesting connection from my, from my vantage point to see you're used to thinking intensely in a moment of in, incredible physical right. activity. Yeah. I mean, you definitely have to that's keep uh, your, you know, your, you have to keep thinking and keep your, your mentality sharp 
regardless of the the conditions of, you know, when you're playing a tennis match too, like it could be over a hundred degrees. Like I was playing in El Paso in July and like, it was like a four and a half hour Hmm. match. And I was, you know, feeling the heat, you know, it was like pretty warm out out there. Um, and you know, you still have to like think the same as you would, you know, in 70 degree weather, like it's, you know, In all types of weather, all conditions, everything, you know, you have to still be as mentally sharp as another time. So maybe that, maybe that's where it came from, you know, like maybe that's helping me in the sport of ultra running too. What about nutrition in the, you know, in, in tennis? Are you, I mean, do you have like a nutritionist who's advising you or like, you know, I'm thinking comparing this to to running an ultra in a hundred degrees compared to, you know, playing tennis in a hundred degrees and a little humid, are you, I mean, had you been taught how to think in those situations? Cause I hadn't. And so I'm, you know, I have to, I had to have a DNF to learn how to drink right. water. Better. I definitely you know think I mean? my background helped me. Um, when I would go to a tournament yeah. and get in, um, in the summer and like extreme heat, I'd be like, okay, I need to have my Pedialyte. I need my coconut water. I need my liquid IV, like my pickle juice, like everything that I know works for me. <laughs> okay. And then, Wait, you're talking about tennis or you're talking, I'm talking about, about tennis? Ultra? Like I'm seriously, about that tennis. sounds, the, yeah, that's crazy. Yeah. It's similar. Okay. Um, now looking now on the, the ultra side of it. <laughs> it's so crazy. I did have a, yeah. a solid background kind of like, okay, Hey, if I treat this, like I'm preparing for a tennis match, this kind of, you know, helps me out a little bit. Wow. I, I like that. I mean, and then not to mention early on, I almost said something, but I didn't want to derail. You were saying one of the things you like about tennis is like the individuality of the sport and that like, if you don't show up that day, you know, you, it just, there's right. no one that's going to yeah. play tennis for you and give you the, res- give, you know, give Alex Mueller the, the, the right. result of the day, which is ultra running as well. Yeah. Um, I think that's, uh, it's really cool. I mean, the, the ultra running part of it, um, you're out there by yourself but one another thing I love about ultra running is that I genuinely feel like the people that you're out there with, they want to see you succeed. Like they want to see you finish and mm-hmm. they're there to yes. help you if you're fe- not feeling well or you're cramping. Like they're there to like, here, take yes. some of my salt tabs, you know, and that yes. was not the case yeah. in tennis. Like it is very cutthroat. Like you're, you're fighting for mm. it's your job. Like you're you're gonna get paid if you win, and you're not if yeah. you lose. So you can. Do you, do you like one over the other? I mean, on some levels, even though I've never been super competitive at anything, I do like the cutthroat. One of the things I wish there was more of in trail running at the elite level was shit talking. <laughs> There's not. I was talking with Anthony Castales, who got third at, at Western States and third at okay. Ultra Trail Cape Town, and. He was like, yeah, me and uh, Tyler Green, who were fighting for podium space at Western, like we were, I don't know, struggling is the right word for them, but they were not in a great space and they were like encouraging each other. And I'm like, but you guys are right. competitive. Like when I perceive sports, like you're not, you're not trying to yeah. psych each other out. You're like trying to help each yeah. other get there. Do you have a preference of one over the other? Or do you like I them like both? them both. I do still... Um I, I like to get very competitive, but I feel like at this point I've had enough of that <laughs> in, um, in my past, uh, yeah. you know, my that whole life sense. of like just battling it like crazy. And, uh, you know, people say, oh, we love to see our, you know, peers succeed. Like, no, you don't. Like, be honest. Like in tennis, you don't. Like you want to be the one succeeding. Yeah. Um, 
But in, in trail running, I think that's (laughs) in trail running. That's the cool part to me. Um, right now it's like, I love that support and the camaraderie. And I, I look forward to that part too. I'm like, I can't wait to meet new people this weekend, you know? Um, and maybe I'll see them out on the trail and I can talk to them. Like I I love talking to new people. So I like that part. Yeah. So I'm, I'm introverted, but if you met me, you know, mid to late race at an ultra, you would think I'm extroverted because I mean, those, those people, by the time everyone's spread out and I'm with my speed, which is people who are there only because they love it. We're not competing for a podium. I am so chatty because like, it's just like, that's the best way to find someone who's so much like me. And it's a fun, it's a fun conversation to have. So on that level, I completely resonate. I've, I've met people that you know, maybe I didn't get their contact information, but just some of my favorite conversations, more insightful conversations. I just, I, me too. I love that so much. Well, so as we, as we kind of land the plane a little, you're going, as you think about Eastern, Eastern States compared Mm to Rocky with your elite tennis background, what, and maybe even what is your coach telling you? Like what, what advice do you have for yourself going into the next hundred? So you troubleshoot it. You had the, some gear discussions in your brain, other things. I mean, what, how do you endure? How do you get across the hundred mile finish line next time? What, do, what are you um, telling yourself right now? Yeah. Like we said, I, you know, maybe some gear adjustments, like some, some footwear adjustments, but you know, I've already kind of have stuff in mind. I want to try leading up to that, like different models of shoe and whatnot. I think that, I would have a better crew with me and have more people. Um, you know, I have, mm-hmm. uh, did you have a pacer no. ready at Rocky? So I feel like, you know, maybe considering that option too. Um, I would have my, mm-hmm. my campsite yeah. kind of like more organized. Like, cause once I got into camp, okay. I'm like, okay, where's this? Where's that? You know what I mean? And you're wasting time and you're like, Ugh. so I'd have yes. it more kind of yeah. laid out. Um, kind of a plan whenever mm. I come, you know, to an aid station, like, okay, this is what I need. This is what I need. This is what I need and have, you know, my crew yeah. member, whoever it may be, or members, um, kind of on the same like wavelength as me with that, you know, just kind of trying to lock that yeah. stuff in, yeah. you know, R- Rocky was a learning experience. Like as a first timer, like I still thought I could complete it for sure. But, um, I definitely yeah. learned a lot seeing other people's campsites and what was going on. Like there were fully people with grills. Mm. Like what? Like, like, Oh, that's an interesting, probably a cultural piece of Rocky because like you said, those 20 mile loops, there's probably like, like those people who do Rocky all the time. I bet there's rituals. Like some dudes had like the the massage table out there and like, they would just lay on it. (laughs) I'm like, you know, that's, that's where it's at. Like you bring your massage therapist with you or something. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Oh, that's brilliant. <clears throat> well, that's cool. What shoes uh, oh, are running you running in speed right goats now? now? Seriously. Um, but I'm kind of venturing okay. into the topo ultra realm. Yeah. I think okay. I've never, I don't have much, any experience with topo. What, what, what makes them unique? What's strong? Well, I think that by the, like I've done a few 50 Ks and, and even at the end of those, my feet are just like really hurting me. Like not blister wise at all. Um, thanks to the wonderful and yeah. socks that, yeah. Oh yeah. Um, yes, I have had I've had some great experiences. Oh my gosh, they're the best. Protecting um, my, uh, from blisters. But uh, like I don't know, I feel like they're kind of my toes are getting jammed. I'm losing some toenails. Um, but that's that's part yes. of the course. Yeah. But, um, 
Did you lose toenails in tennis? No, was that a not thing? a thing at all. No, this is really? new for me. Okay. <laughs> um, but ultras have the the wide toe box and the zero, the zero drop, but the topos have the same wide toe box, but a little, like maybe four millimeter. Uh, so I think I'll start with the topos and see, okay. you know, how that feels. Because your feet yeah. swell, you know, well, yeah. during a long run. So they need some space to. Yeah. Yeah. Some room. Yeah. I feel like the trade off with the big shoe approach or the, you know, the larger than your normal shoe size approach is your toenails are protected, but I feel like I get a little bit more blisters in other places from maybe the movement. That makes sense to me. At this point going into Zion for me though, is that I'm in this really fortunate position where I'm about to lose my two big toenails before the race. Which that's better. better, I'd rather than be gone. Yeah. Yes. For me. I mean, I've, I've legit like at my, my most intense, season of trail running where I was doing the most races and the most training. I had one oh, no. toenail. Whoa. Whoa. On my entire, on both feet combined. I lose them real easy. At this point, they just, it's real easy. So when I did the dead horse 50 miler, another race I highly recommend back in November, uh, it ruined my two big toenails. So those are off. I've already lost another one. So I'm going into this with less toenails and I think that's going to I be I think that advantage. that's a we'll tremendous advantage. <laughs> yeah, that's like a whole yes. new area of like feet picks is like the note, the note. <laughs> that's a special <laughs> area. Yeah, it's good. <laughs> Have you read uh Born no, to Run? No, but I've heard about it. Yeah, classic book, but there's a guy in it. I think that's it's from that book where he um surgically removes his toenails. I've heard about this. They're just gone. I've heard about this. And at first I thought it was insane. And like, what is wrong with this dude? But now I'm like, I understand. Yeah. I get it. Oh, these, these are just, what, what it makes you want. What's Uh, the point of these things? Nothing. All they do is cause pain (laughs) and blisters. Um, all right. Hey, well, Hey, I hope that you come run Buffalo. If you do, let me know. Um, I'll, I'll be out there as much as possible just because I love that race so much. Um, Alex Mueller, thanks so much for taking the time. I look forward to talking again. See, maybe see in a, in a few weeks, but if not, keep Absolutely. us posted on what you do. Thank you. Eastern States. Bye-bye. All right. Yeah, of course. Take care. Thank <laughs> you.